Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got you can get it ground you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own they've got all of the options uh, and then you use the code peakspeak in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh you'll get a sneaky 10 percent off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time i don't remember exactly what it is but i think they express post everything so hopefully quickly perfect Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sarah and Baby Cry in the Background, not included. <laughs> Fucking. I, so I did some research into turning that woman off, <laughs> and apparently you can't. Um, no. Well, I definitely can't because I'm, I'm only good at turning people on, so. <laughs> And that, folks, is all we've got time for this week. Uh, see you next week. The irony is how untrue that is. So, <laughs> if anything, I'm extremely good at turning people off. I mean, you've been a pretty fat, sloppy mess at various points, so I can see how that would be the case. <laughs> oh, I don't even mean appearance. I just mean general demeanor. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. That's the best high-quality pre-show banter you can get, folks. Uh, and here we are with another episode of Pig Speak, talking mm. about Thomas's imperfections. Yeah, basically, if I don't have anything to say, it's like, so what dinosaurs do you like? <laughs> Who's your favorite Pokemon? <laughs> Stellar conversation material. Yeah, if you're 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. How's things, my friend? Uh, things are well. Things are well. Um, I don't have much to report, really. Uh, we I had- mean... There was some pretty big lifting happening up your way over the weekend. Yeah, so like I guess we'll circle back around to it because that's what we're going to talk about. But of course, um, uh, we had APL States, Queensland States here on the weekend. Um, there was some pretty wild lifting, like Michelle Latham squatting 240 in the 75 yeah, kilo class. Yeah, what the fuck, man? That was crazy. To- totaled five, whatever it was, 535, I think, without peaking. Like we, we did two weeks of a little mini peak. Um, and and yeah, wow. like this this comp was a bit of an afterthought. So to perform that well was pretty unreal. Yeah. Um, 
the absolute highlight lift of the day was one of the guys I coach. His name's Caleb Voice. Uh, benched 257.5 in the 110 kilo class, weighing 105, which Oof. breaks the all-time Australian 110 kilo bench record uh, by uh, 15 kilos. Took yeah, right. So Who had it before that? Baz had it at 242. Yeah, right. Yeah, so we've, we've broken that by 15 kilos. Of course, Baz did it in the three lift, but that's you know for 100. Oh, he did kilo a bench class. only. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but just uh, uh just, he's an un, the most impressive bencher I think uh i've i've worked with yeah uh, which right. is saying a lot which I've is worked. saying a lot man like you've worked with some fucking big benches yeah 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 i i yeah it's uh, he currently holds the 83 kilo record in australia 93 kilo record 100 kilo record and now 110 kilo record at the same time fuck that's wild he's just phenomenal i'm so him. impressed by people who can do that across multiple weight classes like that it's mm. such a um a, an achievement to continually be able to get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger and and never actually lose any of that performance because so many people do that so poorly and just end up mm -hmm. oh I'm like really strong here and they just become a really mediocre lifter in the next weight class up as opposed to actually being able to step up mm. you know systematically across weight classes I think that's yeah one of the hallmarks of an incredibly in impressive competitor yeah and just each each weight class he hasn't just like broken the record he's fucking shattered it like yeah. put it miles out of reach for anyone else it's uh, for, uh, for the time being you know it's it's just wild so uh, shout out to caleb voice i haven't actually posted the video yet so i should do that tonight um ron kingy another one of my lifters used to train under baz he had he previously had the second biggest bench in australia um he broke pb did 270 quite comfortably on the weekend so looking forward to what we can put up at nationals in a few months time yeah, that's fucking crazy. Just that's insane. just an, an insane number to start thinking about benching. Mm. And then there's another number to add to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, Andrew Cooper, yeah, broke uh, broke the all-time Australian record, benched 300, first ever raw 300 kilo press in competition. I copped a bit of flack about the... Um, I posted the video straight after he did it and I was running the comp and there were 60 lifters and like the, it was packed, so I quickly posted it and I put first ever 300 kilo bench. And it's not Australia's first ever 300 kilo bench because there have been a bunch of people who've done it equipped. Uh, so I neglected to say raw and a couple, uh, a person called me out on it. So apologies for uh, that slight oversight. My bad. Uh, it's Australia's first ever raw 300 kilo bench. Pretty sure Sean Bostock still has the biggest ever bench. 365, I think. Yeah, I, I believe 365 is uh, his his best i know he was chasing 800 pounds so 365 for a long mm. time but um yeah, I he did that pro it. roll one year yeah i think so he's a fucking monster <laughs> absolute animal uh, yeah. yeah i i had the pleasure of training with bostock a bunch of times because they trained he trained at um esp elite sports performance in mm -hmm. melbourne which i don't think exists anymore or maybe it yeah does. no I'm no it does doesn't it does yeah, they've, okay. they've added a mezzanine so they've got like double the floor space now fuck all right yeah um because they already had a lot of floor space yeah and it was just uh, crammed with every yeah, piece yeah. of equipment imaginable like and then some mm. uh yeah it's it's actually just around the corner from my in-laws place mm. uh so i've spent a bit of time training with them uh at various points and um yeah i had the pleasure of getting to know bostock over the years and he is just one of the most incredibly impressive benches like watching anyone handle that sort of weight over their face in a way that just you know but watching him approach it is just yeah crazy performance at that level inspires me continually and for a big old relatively unhealthy dude he's actually pretty in 
in condition when he trains. Like he trains real fast. Yeah, oh, man. Like you would struggle to find a powerlifter who can keep up from a conditioning standpoint. Yeah. Like the, the speed at which both stock moves through <laughs> things. It's crazy. That's cool. Cool. Uh, how, how are things down there? How's belly? Yeah, good, man. Um, continuing the transition to a from one membership payment processing system to a new one, which is a incredibly laborious task that Gross. is definitely on my bottom four things I enjoy about being a gym owner list. Uh, otherwise, life's pretty good. Spent the weekend down the coast with the family, swam in the ocean. Turns out I'm still shit at bodyboarding, but I had a good time doing it. Um, and... Yeah, that's that's about it, really. Uh, mm. We've got uh, GPC Nationals in a little way, little while, so a few of our guys are competing there. We've got four lifters, I think, yep. competing, and three of them should podium. One of them's like on track to win based on qualifying totals in his weight class as a sixty-two-year-old man um, at Open Nationals, which I'm pretty excited about. That's awesome. Uh, and yeah, a couple others uh, ticking along, looking pretty good as well. So uh, that's all coming to you know the pointy end of things, which is always exciting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still, just going back through and looking at all the awesome results we had at the novice comp over the last weekend. Just um, we end up with yeah, fourteen or fifteen lifters competing and a bunch of people smashing PBs comfortably. Uh, so yeah, really so cool. Good. Uh, it's it's one of those things that sometimes. As a coach, especially when you're like looking for things to post on social media, I can sometimes just be like, ah, like this person doing a set of five at 70% is like really just fucking terribly boring content. Uh, And then being able to go through and like pull out. And that's one of the cool things about our live stream is like I filmed none of our lifters at the comp because my phone's the live stream camera. Mm. Uh, And... Instead, I just go back through our YouTube stream and cut pieces out of it and then be able to post all of that sort of stuff. So being able to go back and just reflect on how far some of those lifters have come has been really cool. I mm. um, I enjoy that. And I feel like we haven't had an opportunity to do that very much in the last 12 months. Like, you know, this is the first sort of real push through a couple of big comps that we've had for a lot of our lifters. So it's cool to see a bunch of them making pre-COVID PRs and, and stuff like that come to fruition on the day which is yeah always just really exciting to see Mm, yeah yeah awesome man um good news for melbourne they come out of lockdown this this friday so they can go back to gyms i mean like a couple of weeks ago um not everyone was poorly affected i mean like wilkes of course uh you know powerlifting shut down so that's going to affect that business but brothels were allowed to open so he's all good he wasn't too upset um, no, but in all serious, that was actually, that, that wasn't true. You know, the, the, the brothel thing that was about, uh, regional Victoria. So my joke doesn't really apply, but I, I needed to make it regardless. So it's oh, a good fucking joke though. Yeah. Well, joke reality. I mean, they do get sort of, you know, sometimes, sometimes Thomas, the best jokes are ones that are based in reality. Oh, there we go. There we go. All right. Controversy. <laughs> Speaking of. <laughs> fuck i'm not sure we can Uh, come back from this no 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 um controversy so uh of course andrew broke the 300 kilo bench record on the weekend right um and uh the lift was a messy lift it wasn't a very pretty lift especially for andrew like if you if you go onto my instagram and you look at his 300 that we did in the gym with calls uh the week before the comp or yeah the two weeks before the comp uh it was like brilliant 
is just mm. perfect controlled beautiful um what happened on the day so we opened on 275 uh on the second attempt we took 300 and he did it like we did it in the gym just slow controlled light touch everything perfect but he was perhaps a little bit complacent he knew he could do it i watched him set up and i'm thinking man you're not quite as fired up as i normally see you when you're going big things just yeah. looked a little bit sloppy um and he, he wasn't like that in the warm-ups he was on like he should have smoked 300 kilos on the second but he's a little bit complacent i think and so when he went to push maybe the weight was a little bit heavier than he was expecting uh he missed it um so he actually pulled out of the comp after that. He walked off the, the platform and he's like, I'm not doing a third. I put in the third for him because I'm that kind of guy. Uh, and then I got in his head and, and convinced him to come back and have a third. And part of convincing him to have a third was, you know, talking through the process of like, I knew if I could get him to think about something different, uh, that he would be willing to actually at, at least have a try. So we changed his grip a little bit and we told him to drop it on his chest and just kind of heave it up. So it got messy. Um, as part of that, you know, anytime you put a messy lift on the internet that passes in competition, it cops a lot of flack. And uh, this one was no exception. Because everyone in the world is a qualified powerlifting judge. Don't you know that, Thomas? You fucking idiot. Yeah, for sure. So, like, <laughs> in, in one of the pieces of flack was, of course, um, his bum moved around a lot. Uh, I watch him in training. It always moves around a lot. And I haven't, I've yet to see it actually come off the bench. So, I can't speak for that because I wasn't sitting on the side refs mm. and neither was anyone that's critiquing the video. The other comment was around the press call. Uh, and I feel like people don't know the powerlifting rules because the press call and every single rule book is copied and pasted. Uh, and it is about when the bar stops moving. And so the bar clearly stops moving. Was it very fast after the bar stops moving? Yeah, sure it was, but that's within the rules. Like there's no yes. rule to say how long the bar needs to be motionless on the chest. It just needs to be motionless. But um, what I want to talk about specifically is, uh, well, pa partially to do with this, but also partially this idea of... Um, lifts in competition that get red lighted for not being very pretty versus uh not actually conforming to the rules yeah um probably the most common the, the most common thing you see in competition uh in this aspect is funky lockouts on deadlifts you know a deadlift that gets kind of slow and sticky on the thighs and the person gets past that sticking point and then they have an aggressive lockout it looks messy looks gross yeah. It's not hitching. It's not using the thighs as leverage. It's perfectly within the rules. But because of that bouncy, jolty movement at the top, a lot of the times it gets done on hitching. Uh, and I think that there are so many examples of this in powerlifting where a lift is messy um, and it passes. And then when you're able to watch the video and slow it down and replay it 40,000 times, which you don't have the opportunity to do as a referee sitting mm. in the chair, you might pick up on something that did infringe the rules. Or you might watch it 20,000 times and be like, that was red-lighted, but it was actually within the rules. It's a tricky one. Yeah, and I think that's the... It's that point that you made at the end there that's the thing that a lot of people forget. Having sat in the judging chair at big comps, like I've judged big dogs... I gave Milanichev reds on his opening bench because I thought he sunk it into his chest. Like I've, I've done all of those things. I've had big strong lifters attempt to argue with me as opposed to politely ask what the red was for. Um, and all of those things as someone who likes to consider myself a reasonably confident and competent person, um, especially when it comes to powerlifting and that sort of thing, uh, I'm not particularly easily intimidated and I'm comfortable in my understanding of the rules and 
my ability to call what I see in front of me in real time. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that so many internet judges miss is that you weren't in the chair being in that high pressure situation, being forced to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, and I've gone back and watched videos of lifts that I've given reds and been like, yeah, I, I probably should have given that whites and vice versa. People make mistakes. Those things happen, right? The controversy arises when people do exactly like you said, where they take a lift, they slow it down. You know, like people send, send me a screenshot of depth. Is this depth? <laughs> like, fuck off. I, I don't care what that screenshot says because it's not relevant, right? Because you don't judge depth on a picture. You judge it on a moving target. And the same thing goes for press calls in the bench. The, like all of these things that are dynamic processes that you have to respond to and react to quickly and sometimes like from a disadvantaged viewpoint or you know like especially squat depth on a big squat you know someone fucking squatting in the high fours you've got five big strong dudes standing around them mm -hmm. and as a judge my first and real responsibilities to the lifter being safe. So I'm going to let those spotters stand where they need to stand to make sure that that lifter is safe. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to work it out from there. The ability then to, to take a video and replay it a hundred times and slow things right down and, and do all those sort of things just makes it's like video replay in sport, but in a way that, is not relevant. Like I think the idea mm -hmm. of video replay in powerlifting is probably dumb. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of being able to dispute calls because I've mm -hmm. had that happen like a, at big competitions. I've had, uh, like I can think one particular example at nationals in 2015 where one of my lifters who I know is a like slow grindy squatter had their second squat taken or maybe it was their third squat, like, you know, five kilo PR, moving but very very slowly mm -hmm. uh ta and had it taken early and i went up to vicky who was head judge and i said i think he took that early and she's like yep i agree she can take it again at the end of the round took came out took it and it was fine like got mm -hmm. it it was slow and grindy and ugly uh, and they got it and as much as the coach in me wants to be able to red light people for poor what i'd consider to be poor or inefficient technique it's not within the rules mm -hmm. and so so much of that <laughs> nuance in the rules is only apparent when you can watch it backwards and forwards mm -hmm. a, a bunch of times and compare it to other lifts and i mm -hmm. think as a judge it's important that you understand the rules first and foremost and then how to apply those rules so one of the things i talk about at, at our novice comps uh in our like lifters briefings all the time and i say to all my lifters is that your first attempt is about proving to the judges you know what you're doing mm -hmm. right don't if you squat just on the border on the first one i'm probably going to give you benefit of the doubt as a side judge when it comes to depth because i'm assuming that you know like yeah you were pretty close maybe it was high maybe it wasn't hard to tell on the first one because i've in most cases never seen you squat before you're a person who I've, I've never watched, I've never seen move, and I watch you walk onto the platform and then have to immediately ascertain exactly where the top surface of your leg is, where's your knee, what does your squat look like, those sort of things. And so for me, and the same thing especially I think applies in the bench, your, your first attempt is about proving you know how to stop and control that bar in your chest and then press it from there. Uh, from my point of view as a judge, you're probably going to get a fractionally slower press, like slower, and that's the wrong 
the wrong term to use, but it's the only really accurate one. Yeah. You're going to get what appears to be a slower press call on your first bench because I'm accounting for not wanting to press call press early if you're the sort of bencher who sinks mm-hmm. like quite significantly into your chest. Milanichev is the great example of this. In that scenario, uh, so it was I was judging one side. Uh, I think Jesse was head judge and I can't remember who was on the other side. Anyway, uh, he got reds for sinking after the press call. And what probably happened is that his sink was quite slow. Like it touched and then sunk. And mm. it as soon as it touched and stopped, Jesse called press and then it sunk and he pressed it. Mm-hmm. And that was a result of a judge who was unfamiliar with the exact mechanics and nuance of that particular person's bench technique which resulted in a call that was maybe the wrong call mm-hmm. i don't think it was like i called what i saw i heard press i watched the bar descend i pressed the red light mm-hmm. um and so in that environment i feel like i made the right decision i think jesse made the right decision because he called what he saw but it it pays as a lifter to put those things beyond doubt on your first attempt because it increases the chances or the likelihood of you getting a more favorable call on the on the following attempts, right? Mm-hmm. And as a judge I, and a coach, I find it much easier to judge my lifters than I do anyone else mm-hmm. because I'm just infinitely more familiar with how my lifters lift. Are they a sinking bencher? Are they a quick descent, soft touch bencher? Are they someone who grinds really slowly through a deadlift or, or those sort of things, right? And those little nuances of movement that are easy to pick up when you've got a hundred hours to sit on your couch and replay the same lift backwards and forwards are incredibly hard to watch, uh, to pick up, especially for an inexperienced judge if all you've seen is someone lifting for like a total of maybe 25 seconds. Mm-hmm. Which is what, like, in reality, that's what most of the powerlifters here get. I get to see you lift for maybe 25 seconds two or three times a year. Yep. And um, I think that's it, it's that nuance that people on the internet forget about. For sure, for sure. Yeah, there's, there's so many things that you touched on there that um, are such massive differences between sitting in the ref's chair and, and observing from afar. So, like, you know, when you're observing from afar, you get to see an angle of the lift that shows a lot more than what you see in the ref's chair. And so a lot of people forget or don't know in the first place or, or don't assume in the first place. The, the purpose of the rules in powerlifting is for the lifter. Like the, the, whole, the whole competition is set up for the benefit of the lifter. And so there is a rule in every powerlifting federation that I'm aware of that's benefit of the doubt for the lifter. So in the example that you used, if you are watching someone squat and their hips are blocked in the bottom because a spotter moves their arm in the way and you can't see and you can't objectively decide whether the squat was good or bad, you have to give it a white light. And I've seen plenty of lifts get past that look like shit on video. Then I've gone and spoken to the referee and they're like, yeah, I had to give it a white. I couldn't see what was going on. Uh Well, well, that makes sense. If you don't ever hear that side of the story, you just assume that that was a shit ref and a shit call. And sometimes it's not the case at all. Um, the, the other thing like that comes with this, you know, if you, if I am Milanachev, the competition is for me. I can walk, go up and walk up to Jesse and be like, just so you know, I sink the bar into my chest really slowly. I can say that before I go out and do my first bench. Jesse knows what to expect. My press call is going to be more tailored to what I actually do. 
Like you are at perfect liberty as the coach of that lifter or as the lifter to go and point that out. That's totally cool. Um, the contesting the lift thing. Uh, contesting the lift is so funny. The contesting of the lift is designed to be able to be put to a jury. Like yeah. the, the IPF and the IPL do this really well at an international level where there's three jurors sitting on the side of the competition with a good view of the platform uh, that, that are there to deal with contested lifts. If I'm in the ref's chair and someone comes up to me and is like, that, that squat was low, even though you called it high, I'm like, cool, see ya. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I've it. had people and like highly ranked powerlifting officials approach me with a video <laughs> and be like, hey, do you want to watch this video and see how you're wrong? And I told them to no. kindly go fuck themselves <laughs> because in that scenario, I don't care what your video sh mm. shows or doesn't show. I called what I saw. Yeah. And that's how this process works. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of a jury. Um, I think it's something that doesn't get used enough, especially at big meets where there's money involved. Mm -hmm. I've had someone ask me once if there was a, a jury or a process for disputing calls at a local competition. I said, no, <laughs> we just like, barely have enough people to yeah, run the competition, let alone people. have three extra people who are experienced judges sitting mm. on the side, able to actually offer an opinion. Yeah. Um, and same thing, that person said, hey, do you want to watch this video? I said, no, the, <laughs> I didn't see it in person. I wasn't in the judging chair. The people I put in the judging chair, I trust to make the right decision because they know the rules. And mm -hmm. that's how this process works. Yeah. And you can like it or not, ultimately that's how the, the, the sport works. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. The, the, the idea of... Just, sorry, I was just okay. going to say, the internet's just a great place to argue about shit that people think they have a valid opinion on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the general rule with internet arguments for all of those listening, by the way, is like never argue with a complete fucking idiot because they'll always beat you with experience. Um, the, the, the only lift that I've ever successfully contested uh, was at Pro Raw 11 on Goob's third squat. Uh, he squatted 340, I think, 335, 340. Um, and he got red lighted because he didn't get a rack call, but he didn't get a rack call because Arnold was standing directly in front of him with a posse of about 500 people. So there's like Goobs and Wayne, who was refing at the front, th there was no connection between the two because it was completely blocked. And so it's it, so fucking loud. In so loud as well. So I, I went and contested it and it got it overturned because like, he did the squat and he got to the top and he locked it out. It's like, yeah, like the, that. That's a benefit of the doubt moment because the the ref could not see the lifter, but he didn't play the benefit of the doubt card. He just like, well, he didn't rack, wait for the rack also. Yeah, um, and and that's the thing where uh, the one the only and that lift I mentioned the squat at, at nationals was the only one I've ever contested, mm. and I I wouldn't even call what I did contesting it. Like I was about to walk over to Vicky and Vicky got out of the chair and came over to me and was like, mm. I think he like was about to say what I was going to say anyway. So she, she'd already come to that decision anyway. And there's, in most cases, there's some aspect of the rules that allow for retakes for mistakes and things like that. And that's the thing that, that really fucking grinds my gears about people arguing about powerlifting on the internet is so few of these people have ever had any fucking experience as either a meat director or a judge or a volunteer or someone who's just like turned up and watched what's involved in a powerlifting comp. Mm -hmm. Like having people that have are members of our gym who've competed a couple of times then come and see what the other side is like and help and, and run the comp with us. Always they're like, man, I didn't know there was so much that goes into it. Mm. You know, I yeah, didn't yeah. know how much was involved in it. And 
every aspect of this is run by volunteers who are all human. Human. And humans make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing that you've got to remember is that there's especially at some of these big meets where there's big strong people who are well known on Instagram and all of these things that the environment's supposed to be set up for them to be successful to then be able to hold yourself to that standard and not respond to that pressure is is a skill that's really hard to develop and takes a certain level of confidence in your own ability that can only be done through a process of trial and error. Like you can't earn that confidence just by turning up and watching powerlifting comps. You have mm. to earn that confidence as a judge by sitting in the fucking chair and pressing the button. For sure. And until you've done that and experienced what it's like to have some of the strongest people in the world disagree with your interpretation of the rules in an environment that's supposed to be about them uh, (laughs) is, yeah, just I think one of those pieces that is missing from this. You know, context is always important, but Mm. sometimes it's the experience of the other end of the spectrum or the thing that you're trying to commentate on that can be the thing that makes you realize what a fucking idiot you've been yeah <laughs> my the funny thing is i i don't ever know what these internet haters expect when like a, a messy lift that could go either way uh gets posted and everyone wants to like call is it like it, it's kind of like look you know great effort by the lifter but it's it's the same as saying like look i'm not a racist but you know that's like come <laughs> yeah. on and what do you expect do you expect us to like post the video and be like look here's a really good lift but it, you know like we're not going to give it to them like the the whole uh, the whole point of this sport is that we put our faith and our trust in the process and the referees um and uh for me personally like in this situation i'm the meet director i selected the referees for the day and rotated them through positions and the, the meet around like clockwork and i was happy with the calls uh and i put my faith and my trust in them so if they give the lifts a white light i'm going to assume that based on their knowledge and understanding of the rules and their ability to apply their knowledge and understanding of the rules that something went right or something went wrong if a lift is passed or failed like yeah as a meet director if i miss seeing a lift from every angle and miss seeing a call that was good or bad i'm not going to go over there and overturn a lift or something like yeah. that but people do that to us like you would get it all the time when you're not refing and someone comes up to you as the meat director and be like did you see this happen you're like no but i trust my team so you are automatically wrong go away <laughs> yeah like exactly and that i've had that conversation so many times and it's especially seems to come from people who think they've got a lot of experience in powerlifting you know have been to a few meets and feel like they know how the sport works and it's like well no (laughs) like a a good a good meet director is someone that can do every job in the room and ultimately does none of them uh, for any longer than a certain amount of time right Mm -hmm. like that's my job as a meet director is to do nothing all day so that at any point in the scenario i can do everything you can do everything yeah and that means for me, sometimes I'm checking on the computer to see that the live stream still works or I'm helping the person on the table figure out how to change something or I'm coaching one of my lifters or I'm fucking emptying bins or, you know, things like that that mean that meet directors, the person who's in charge of the meet doesn't watch every part of that meet. They mm. don't get to watch every lift. That's not how it works. And to, so to assume that they become this 
you know governing person who can suddenly overturn everything and and be in charge like that for me as a meat director is a fucking terrible idea Mm -hmm. because then what my judges are going to do is be like well he doesn't fucking trust me so why should i be here giving up my sunday to sit in a mildly uncomfortable secondhand office chair and press buttons at a sport that i'm not actually that all that interested in Mm -hmm. because that's certainly what my fucking girlfriend would say and she's a and she's an expert powerlifting co- judge. Like, has had no lifting experience herself. Has watched more powerlifting than probably most people who are listening to this podcast, and is therefore more experienced in that judge's chair than almost everyone who's ever commented on an Instagram video of an allegedly dodgy lift. Yeah. She doesn't give a fuck about it. She did does it because she wants to help me and our business survive and has developed an incredibly good understanding like we have arguments about it all the time like this is why i think you're wrong this is why i think you're right yeah. you know here's my interpretation and ultimately i still know more because i'm more experienced this is what i do for a living but yeah. there are times where she's asked questions that have allowed me to improve my interpretation of the rules and my understanding of how things works because it's this this outsider's viewpoint on like why is it like that why does that rule mean that you know why do you give that reds why do you give that whites and i think if you want to be someone who is an astute observer of powerlifting what you need to do is ask questions like that mm-hmm. rather than just being like oh that fucking press call is so quick it doesn't count you should maybe like ask okay well why does it seem like that was a really pre- quick mm-hmm. press call why does it like what what are they seeing that i'm not seeing I would go further than that. I I reckon the irony on on something like a press call or depth or like some of these like big rules that we have in powerlifting, I bet most people who comment on these kind of things don't actually know what the rule book says. Like they literally just know there's start press rack or like hit depth, go below parallel or something like that. Like that's not what the rule book says. No, Uh, that's one of the first things I say at our novice comps. Like take the word parallel, pull it out of your head, scrunch it up put it in the fucking bin because it's irrelevant it means nothing well it means and let's high. talk about let's talk about what actually mean what squat depth actually yeah. means yep 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 yeah exactly the the only times i would ever overturn as a meat director the only times i'd ever overturn a call in a meet is if i'm citing a referee because they're in training and they make a yep. bad call i'd be happy to overturn that yep. or in a novice competition if i'm sitting at the table or on the side and i see a lift that passes or that fails because of like a minor technicality but i'm happy with like the lift like if a lift is gonna bomb and they fail the third bench because two refs called that their foot moved one centimeter i'm probably gonna say just give them a white light because it's probably more important that they don't bomb their first novice competition than it is to be anal about this one minor little rule you know yeah that's why at a novice comp i'm never going to tell you to take the thumbs thumb loops off your wrist straps because yeah, i just don't fucking care bro it's basically <laughs> equipped benching but okay yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> anyway i think it's enough ranting about fucking rules yeah I, that was a really solid 30 minute session of just ranting at each other about powerlifting rules that was great this, i like it. this is what this podcast should be more exactly. of just you and me getting angry at a bunch of cunts being cunts on the internet <laughs> whoa the c-bombs jeez sometimes it's the only word that's appropriate thomas well, we're an australian powerlifting podcast yeah, if you're not saying cunts occasionally, you're probably not really a podcast <laughs> in Australia about powerlifting. Exactly. All right, keep tuning in. We love you. Bye. Bye.